What's up, y'all? It's Bud Elliott here of the Nolcast and coming to you for a little solo episode tonight. Probably a little shorter one, and then uh, actually we have two on deck this week. So a mailbag coming up and also some other cool recruiting chatter uh, to have. But Ingram and I's schedule are a little bit, a little bit jacked up this week. Uh, so I have to run down to uh, one of the major high schools in the state for an event that I can't talk about uh, right now. And Ingram actually tonight is at a cake tasting. As you guys know, he got married or well is getting married. He got engaged. And uh, I mean, who's going to pass on a cake tasting to talk college football with Bud Elliott, right? Anyway, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors here, Louisiana Hot Sauce and Tarpon Cellars Winery. As you guys see the hat here in the new studio, um, just picked up this. If you guys are watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash Nolcast. That is the Stanley Woodward 1949 college football preview magazine. So pretty uh, pretty excited to get that off of eBay. Anyway, uh, if you guys have been following Twitter and college football media recently, you saw a couple of things. Uh, a couple of things I want to get to, a couple of things I want to tease. On the tease side, I, I do think it's interesting uh, the money being thrown around uh, by Baylor and by Cincinnati particularly to their head coaches. So Cincinnati today announced that Luke Fickle will be making uh, north of $5 million a year. And Dave Aranda at Baylor, uh, it was announced that he has been signed through 2029. Baylor is a private school, so terms not discussed, uh, or not disclosed rather. However, you have to kind of think that that is probably in that more, you know, six to $7 million range to get somebody to sign for that long, particularly somebody who uh, was really having a, uh, a great season and was probably on on a number of coaching uh, candidate lists, uh, had you know, had something happen there. So anyway, I want to talk to Ingram about that, what he thinks about where FSU's place is in the financial pecking order going forward. And I, I actually took those deals today as a bit of a positive, because if, if schools like that can afford to pay that, uh, it's just good to have a little little balance to all the doom and gloom financially that I'm sure we'll uh, we'll discuss at some point. Tonight, though, I wanted to discuss a couple things, uh, and one of them is FSU is really, really highly regarded in these power ratings uh, that that I use, right? Um, in my betting process, in my college ball evaluation process, I, I start with an analytical bent, and then I try to make manual adjustments to that process. And look, the numbers matter, right? That's why we have the legendary home loans team, 844-FSU loan, it's 844-FSU loan. 250 NOLCAST listeners have got their loans through those guys, through Shannon and Chad. Just an awesome, awesome pairing, 844-FSU loan. FSU is actually really, really highly regarded in some of the power ratings this year. And so, in Bill Connolly's system, SP Plus, who and Bill is a good friend of mine, we talk daily on GChat and have for for over a decade. FSU is a top twenty-five rated team in Bill Connolly's system for next year. In Colin Wilson's system on, on the Action Network, and I don't know exactly what goes into his, but I, I have a decent uh, idea of, of some of the things. They're actually thirteenth, which I I don't know if I can get there with that, but. I'm not going to lie, seeing some of these numbers has made me sort of re-examine uh, my process a little bit because I, I feel like I'm more, I mean, I'm certainly closer to Bill 
uh, at 24 than I am to Colin at 13. Uh, but still, this is kind of interesting. So I, I talked to Bill and I said, hey, like, what, what is going into this, right? Where, where are you seeing uh, FSU make these big-time improvements? And basically, there's a couple things. Number one, FSU rates extremely highly in returning production. Uh, they are actually number 11 in returning production in the country uh, overall, and they return more production per Bill's formula than all but two Power 5 teams, being Stanford and Kansas. So we can claim youth and all that stuff for a good number of years, and, and I, I don't think that was an inaccurate claim. I think FSU, in fact, was pretty youthful for quite a while. Uh, however, I will note, they have a lot of guys coming back this year, a whole lot. So let's go over Bill Connolly's returning production formula real fast, and then we can get into maybe do we think it is accurately capturing what FSU is bringing back overall. So FSU is 41st in offensive returning production, but second in the country, second to only BYU. So they return you know, more defensively than any Power 5 team in the nation. Again per Bill's formula. And Bill does not just use snaps returning. It doesn't just use, you know, starters returning, all that kind of stuff. Uh, he's ran correlations every year. He keeps adapting his numbers as, as the game evolves. Uh, but he says uh, percentage of returning receiver and tight end yards is 37% of your overall offensive returning production number. Quarterback passing yards, 29%. Offensive line snaps, 28%. And then running back rushing yards, 6%. So while FSU lost Sean Corbin, uh, who had a good number of rushing yards, his numbers, and I think the NFL draft would also bear this out with how few guys go in the first round and, and the, the lack of draft capital that is spent at the running back position, uh, his numbers seem to indicate that the loss of running backs is, is generally uh, pretty overrated and, and not just not that big of a deal. So that's pretty cool on the offensive side of the ball. If you think about this, say, okay, FSU's losing Andrew Parchment, uh, but they don't really lose a whole lot else. And then they also bring in some other guys. And Bill is increasingly having to, to adapt to the transfer portal and basically takes what you did in a previous year or in a previous couple of years in certain situations. Like if a guy was injured last year, then he'll use it the, the year prior. Uh, and, and he'll match that into your number and say, okay, you're actually returning you know, this percentage of, of what you lost last year. Uh, so 41st on offense seems to make some sense. They, they did lose you know, some important guys. Uh, I would I would argue a, a couple things here on offense. Number one, I think FSU's offense actually might be a little more experienced than Bill's numbers are, are giving it credit for. So you lose to Sean Corbin, who I think is a good back. I think has a decent chance to get drafted now. You lose Andrew Parchment, who I don't think was anything special. Uh, and you lose Mackenzie Milton. And this is something that that a system is going to see and say, wait a second. Uh, Mackenzie Milton played about one snap for every two that Jordan Travis played, slightly more than that. Uh, he threw 139 passes and Jordan Travis threw 194. So FSU is only returning about 60% of its passing production last year from the quarterback position. However, I, I think it's very clear uh, that Jordan Travis was far better than McKenzie Milton, a 45% success rate on dropbacks compared to just 
for Milton. Yards per completion will also bear that out. Now, Travis got sacked a whole lot more, probably because he's trying to run around and make something happen, whereas Milton just got rid of the ball extremely quickly. Uh, so anyway, uh, just something interesting there to take a look at. Now, I think that's – so would you say 41st is, is fair? If I'm making manual tweaks to this stuff, I'd probably say, uh, I mean, can they go get a, a transfer portal quarterback? I guess if they do, then, then this will be a moot point because that transfer quarterback's production uh, will be indicated in the returning production rankings. Uh, but 41st, okay, that's competitive for, for an offense with a lot of guys who seem to know the system. You may feel like, hey, they're bringing in a lot of experience at the receiver position, uh, and that's fair. But like Winston Wright had a legitimately good season last year. He had 88 targets, 63 catches, 688 yards, five touchdowns. Um, he ran 371 routes. Micah Pittman had 12 catches. Johnny Wilson had 12 catches and a horrendous drop rate. You know, Deuce Span had five catches. Trey Benson had basically no production. So they have a lot of unproven guys there on the offensive line, or excuse me, on the offensive side of the ball. And then on the offensive line part, um, Devontae Taylor, you know, he he gave him 520 snaps last year. It feels like he was always hurt, but he was always in there. And then Babyon Johnson had 367 snaps, right? Um, Caden Lyles comes in, and everybody's expecting Caden Lyles to be your starting center. I am at least. But he only had 103 snaps last year due in part to injury and, and losing his job. So there is a lot of uncertainty with these offensive transfers that FSU took. And I do believe that this probably leaves some room open for the Knowles to perhaps overachieve on the offensive side of the ball. So let's go to the defensive side of the ball, which is the, the next thing I want to hit here. And in doing so, I look at the personnel, right? And it's incredibly important to manage your personnel and to have solutions when problems arise. And for that reason, you should give Congruity HR Solutions a call. Matt Lewis has done a great job with our listenership. If you own a small business, a medium business, or even if you're a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, you could use Congruity HR Solutions for your payroll, for your HR needs, for your personnel management. Those guys do a tremendous job, a proud proud supporter of the NOLCast. So FSU, defensively here, pretty damn impressive what they bring back in terms of the raw numbers in Bill's system. So 90%, that's, that's second in the nation and first in the Power Five, of defensive production returning. Now, this is where it's important because I spoke to Bill about this a little bit on the Cover 3 podcast, and I think it's it's relevant. Um, Bill's formula basically works as follows. 59% of it is your returning tackles. This is just, these are the correlations that he's run, and he's found this to be the most accurate uh, way to measure with his system. Doesn't mean it's perfect, just means it's the most accurate based on his data. Uh, percent of returning passes defended, okay, 28. Percent of returning tackles for loss, 8%. And percent uh, of, of your total production returning on the defensive side of the ball that is attributed to sacks is five. So that is really sort of back-to-front designing of the system, which is not necessarily wrong. In fact, I mean, Bill will tell you the numbers are less accurate if you tend to favor more of the defensive line side. But I think with FSU, this is where we have to be very careful with some of these numbers, right? So, two things. Number one, I mean, 
like the defensive line being, you know, 15, 17% of your overall uh, returning production metric, that scares me because your two best players on defense last year were Jermaine Johnson and Kier Thomas, who are now gone, or well, in my opinion, I mean, two of their best. They There's some other guys you could argue as to who was second best, but the first best, the number one guy with a bullet is Jermaine Johnson. And in the second half of the season, FSU did not have to blitz as much because they had Jermaine Johnson rushing the passer so effectively. So yes, they do return a ton of their passes defensed, and they return basically everybody on this defense who made a tackle, like all the linebackers who made a relevant tackle last year um, are back, right? Everybody in the secondary who made a tackle, uh, no, Miko Dotson had 11 tackles, but that's that's way, way far down there. They're back. So your back seven this year should be extremely cohesive. You should find the right pieces. You should have very few coverage busts according to the returning production, assuming those things hold. What Bill's finding is basically like the chemistry in the back seven matters a whole lot. And with how much match coverage everybody plays nowadays, that kind of makes sense. But if I'm manually adjusting this thing, I'm probably manually adjusting the offense up some. And I'm probably going to adjust the defense down some a little bit simply because, yes, they do add Jared Verse. But I don't know that Jared Verse is going to be Jared or going to be Jermaine Johnson immediately. And I'm not really sure he's ever going to be Jermaine Johnson, but I don't think he's going to be Jermaine Johnson off the jump. And, you know, to me, that is that's an issue here, because if you don't get that same level of pass rush, uh, then you're going to have to play differently in the secondary. And that is not to say that FSU cannot play differently in the secondary and do so effectively. Maybe it can, right? At times last year, it had some real success in the secondary. And at times, uh, it looked just kind of lackluster. You have to think another year in the system should help some of these guys if, if they can develop well. Uh, you know, Jarvis Brownlee, Jamie Robinson. Uh, you took Grady Vance from Louisville. Grady Vance, very, very weird profile. Played a ton of snaps for Louisville and a lot of really bad snaps. And, and he had a good game against you in Tallahassee, but uh, I mean that was not a very good offense he was facing at the time. Kevin Knowles, Akeem Dent, uh, Jerry and Jones played a lot of snaps for you last year, not super effectively. Marion Cooper, you still have um, Clelian, Sidney Williams, Ronaldo Green is still on the team. We'll see what happens with with, with Travis J. Maybe they get something out of Cheyenne Brown. You know, maybe you get a, a, a step taken by Hunter Washington. I I don't know there. And hell, maybe maybe Demari Tate shows up at some point. That'd be cool if he could stay healthy for for any length of time. Not really convinced that he can, but obviously you wish the young man the best. But to me. Look, I know that what Bill's ratings say that pass rush is not super like losing pass rush is not super correlated uh, from year to year as far as your returning production. And yes, it's hard to, like you're not going to mash in Jared Jared versus FCS stats in because that that's just kind of a level too low to translate on a one to one basis. So you would have to apply some sort of modifier. Uh, but I think we could all agree that. Seeing that that defensive linemen only make up about 17% of the returning production number, it makes me a bit, a bit nervous, and I assume it makes y'all a little bit nervous out there uh, as well. So knowing that, and you know, Bill's, Bill's formula is, is based on a number of things, his overall SP Plus formula that has FSU 24th in the country. That is, by the way, uh, about six points uh, better 
than it was last year. And that would put them at the 14th most improved team in the nation uh, in order. See here, uh, Stanford, UMass, TCU, Southern Miss, Kansas, Indiana, Vanderbilt, Northwestern, USF, Georgia, Southern Mississippi State, UCF, Arizona, Florida State. So a lot of really bad teams and a couple decent teams that are looking to make that jump. And certainly Mike Norvell hopes that his team can make that jump because he's you know, he's going to need it, right? Um, now, if you're 24th in the country, where does that put you in the ACC? Well, it would put you fifth. Clemson 5, Pitt 13, NC State 15, Miami of Florida 20th, and then Louisville 29th, UNC 40th, Wake Forest 47th, Cuse 58, Vatek 59, UVA 63, Boston College 76, Georgia Tech 92, by the way. That is, uh, we'll get to that in a second. And then Duke at 117. But I want to stay with with the returning production real fast because I want to point something out here. FSU is pretty experienced. But man, is this a bad year to be in the in the the ACC Atlantic Division? The Coastal is so much softer, guys. Check this out as far as returning production. So I'm, I'm going down the list here of the teams that return the most. Right? Okay, let's go ahead and do this. I'm going to read off the ACC teams to you. Keep in mind, NC State is 12th, Louisville is 14th, Syracuse is 15th. So right there. You have four ACC Atlantic teams in the top 15 in the country. That's like a majority of the Power Five that makes up the top 15 are all in the Atlantic division. Now, Pitt is in the Coastal. They're they're 31st. Um, Scrolling down here some more. Clemson, again, in the Atlantic, 41st. Miami, 45th. They're in the Coastal. Wake, 46th. They're they're in the Atlantic. So we've already named off almost every team in the Atlantic division, and all are like top 46 or better in returning production. That's upper third in the sport of college football. The only team in the Atlantic division that is not in the top 45 or 46 or whatever of returning production is Boston College. And in fact, I would argue to you that based on how important quarterback is in these ratings, BC is 89th, by the way. uh, I mean, think about this. Boston College didn't have their quarterback for the majority of the season. So BC... They're getting a guy back who threw 96 passes. They're losing a guy who threw 192 passes. So the, the raw returning production numbers are going to say, damn, they're losing about two-thirds of their passing production, even though the you know, the guy who had to start most of the year in, in Dennis Grossell uh, had a, a net, you know, a touchdown interception ratio of less than one. But you get, say, Flowers back, you, you get Jaden Williams back, Jalen Gill. Um there's a lot to think that there's some okay you know, stuff going on at Boston College. Now, they are losing a lot up front, right? Zion Johnson, Alec Lindstrom, Ben Petrula, and Tyler Vrabel are all guys who had some pretty decent accolades, right? So Zion Johnson, 2021 All-American, 2021 first-team All-ACC, and he was pro football-focused second-team All-ACC. So um, PFF liked him a little bit less. Uh, Alec Lindstrom was PFF first team all ACC, and he was first team all ACC, all ACC on the real team. Um, Mahogany's back at left guard. Ben Petrula again, uh, third team all ACC, PFF second team all ACC, and then Tyler Vrabel, who's gone, uh, did not have a great year to be honest, but uh, still honorable mention all ACC on the PFF team. So BC does lose a heck of a lot up front on the offensive line, 
but I do think they're more experienced than the numbers indicate simply because of the quarterback position getting him back. It's sort of like a little bit Jordan Travis. So FSU is getting dinged for losing Mackenzie Milton, and it is fair to ding them because, uh, to a certain extent because Jordan does not stay healthy, at least so far in his football career. But I think you may be dinging them a little bit too much, especially if they can go back and go out and find some kind of uh, some kind of serviceable backup. So I got to feel like a lot of people could go out there and give you the reps that Mackenzie Milton gave you last year. And that's not really a, it's not trying to be a shot at Mackenzie, but overall that's, that's tough. So, you know, I look at this and I say, man, like there's, there's a lot of interesting games on this schedule now, you know, and what do you do with this? Uh, FSU obviously projected to be one of the most improved teams on a power ratings basis for sure. But you also have a ridiculously tough schedule this year as we've gone over, you know, I mean, hell that I don't even know what, what team you want to say is the worst on, on this, on this schedule, probably Georgia tech, I, w- I would think uh, of, of the teams out there that are in, in the league. But I mean, what's your, what's your Vegas number going to be? Six and a half. Maybe, maybe you make it seven. I don't think it'll be six just because I, I do think you're probably favored in what, what games will you, will you be a dog in Clemson at Louisville at Miami at NC state wake at home's probably a toss up Florida at home, maybe a toss up depending on, on how they look, I guess. You know, LSU, I think you're a slight underdog at. I, we we kind of did this a couple weeks ago. But, I mean, there's some real potential here for this team to to overachieve if, if its defense can still be what it was and then take a major step forward um, without Jermaine Johnson and without Keir Thomas. Because really, that's that kind of that's kind of what it comes down to. In looking at, at, at this, and I'm, I'm going to go to this real quick. So, so 24th in the nation, right, is what Bill Connolly has these guys at for this year. And look, I mean, you're not going to be super accurate in every single team, but Connolly's system is really damn accurate overall. And I, I feel like I make it better just by doing my manual adjustments on these things, but not all my, not all of my manual adjustments are going to work, right? <laughs> I'm going to miss on um, plenty of them. So in taking a look at this, Bill is projecting the offense to be 47th in the country and the defense to go all the way to number 13 in the nation. That I don't know if I can get behind, right? I mean, do you guys think that that is a reasonable projection? That that this defense will be really like number 13 in the whole country without Jermaine Johnson and without Keir Thomas? I would be a little surprised if, if they're able to pull it off. That's not saying they can't pull that off, but I would just be, I'm just not sure I can get behind that because who are your difference makers up front? Now, maybe you're just so damn good against the run that it ends up not mattering a whole lot. That's certainly possible, uh, I guess, but you do have to get a pass rush. This is a passing game. You're going to face quite a few veteran quarterbacks uh, in this league and especially in the division in which you play. Sam Hartman, Phil Jerkovic, right? Uh, I know we we people want to clown on on DJU, but I'll bet on the track record overall, you know. Um, and obviously Malik Cunningham, who crushed you last year, and Tyler Van Dyke is on the schedule as well. So 
for me, I can't fully get on board with the idea that the defense is going to go from 37th in SP plus to 13th without Jermaine Johnson, without Keir Thomas. I think that this is an, a situation where I would make a manual adjustment to the power rating uh, because I think the, the returning production factor in the power rating is underselling the importance of those stats and what that pass rush allowed this team to do. Now, maybe Jared Verse comes in here and is the second coming of Jermaine Johnson, and maybe Dennis Briggs, off the injury, steps up and can replicate what Kier Thomas can do, or what Kier Th- Thomas did, rather. And if so, then you really have a chance uh, to to do something and to maybe win eight games. Hell, if, if that happens and Jordan Travis stays healthy, it's not crazy to think you could win nine games. But I'm still sort of in that, you know, 6.5 range, right? I feel more confident about making a bowl than I did last year because I think the team will be improved. I do think Mike Norvell is probably a good coach. Um, I don't like some of the moves or the the, the non-moves that he made on his staff this year, but that's my personal opinion. And we're trying to stick, you know, stick to the numbers here, but really dig into the numbers to see, um, you know, what they would be. As far as the, the ACC, the teams that are projected to make the biggest moves, right? Actually, FSU, they are projected to be the most improved in terms of a power rating number uh, in the ACC. However, because the ACC is so lopsided to the Atlantic this year, at least it, it appears to be so in the preseason with Duke and, and Vatech and Georgia Tech and UVA all down probably a pretty good amount. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if, if the winner of the Coastal is 7-1, 6-2, and the winner of the Atlantic is like 5-3 and three with some tiebreakers. So I don't know that they project to have such a crazy record, especially not when you have LSU and Florida on the schedule in the non-conference and and, an L, and a Louisiana team, which probably won't suck, but like you, you need to take them somewhat seriously, especially after what happened last year with Jacksonville State. So um, just something to think about there. Like if, if, if Vegas hangs a six, I think I'm going over. If they hang a six and a half, I don't, I don't think there's a huge edge there. Just just thinking about how the games will break down, and obviously we probably won't have have over under win totals for another couple months. Uh, and and again, I'm doing I'm doing my manual adjustments to FSU, but I'm also starting to go through and do manual adjustments to other teams in this league, right? Uh, to to craft my ratings to give you guys the best feel for for what I feel is going to happen this year. Like, what do you do with Florida? What do you do with some of these guys who fired their, or some of these teams that fired their coach mid-season? Like LSU. Conley's got them 65th. I I don't think that's, that's, and, and I, I, I mean, Bill's a good, or excuse me, 45th. I don't think that's really going to be reflective of what they'll be, you know, come, come the fall. There's a lot of transfer stuff. You have to figure out a way to factor in there. You need to see kind of what shakes out. But also, how, now granted, LSU's played poorly for two years in a row now. One was the kind of the COVID year coming off the, the national title with a bunch of opt-outs. And then this year, you also had a bunch of stuff. And, and you had a bunch of coaching problems. And, and you fired your coach in the, like, what, October? Before Halloween, I think. So you think about this. How much manual adjustment do you make there? How much adjustment do you make for a cultural change of actually just having a, 
a new head coach and having it not be an absolute you know circus in there i don't know um i mean they were they were really problematic last year so i guess we'll see um anyway power numbers like this team I went over why they like this team should the power numbers like this team as much as they do you could maybe argue out or argue that it kind of nets out because I think they're probably underselling the offense a little bit and overselling the defense, uh, maybe a little bit more. But overall, like if you told me FSU plays anywhere from, I mean, I don't know, 20th to what 50th, depending on injuries, or hell, maybe 15th to 50th is kind of that range. And you might say, but that's, that's pretty non-scientific. And, and it is. That's fair, but like that's kind of a reasonable range, I think, for this team with its talent level and with its with, with its experience level. It's certainly more experienced. Norvell has not really brought in enough difference makers, in my opinion, to to change the course of this thing quickly enough. But we'll see how that goes. It's kind of a conversation for a different day. Um, anyway, uh, we are approaching the thirty minute mark. Uh, make sure. Oh, also shout out to all of our Patreons, uh, patreon.com slash Nolcast for supporting the show. We usually try to do one a week in the offseason, but I think we'll be able to squeeze out two this week, maybe two uh, shorter shows. Maybe we'll make the other one live and go a little uh, uh, you know, little, little Q&A style, talk a little coaching contracts. There was a good, good article on NIL. I know FSU's working hard on their NIL efforts, so we'll have to discuss what might be happening there. A really big junior day coming up uh, at FSU on the 5th. They said they weren't going to do like junior day as much and do more individualized events and things, but uh, this is shaping up to be a really damn big junior day. And uh, that's, I think that's a good thing. So, all right, y'all. I uh, will catch you next time. This has been the Nolcast. Please go ahead and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and also rate us on Spotify. Uh, you can now rate podcasts on Spotify. On YouTube, like and subscribe. It really helps the video, and we'll be back soon enough.